0: Welcome to the Why Weight Elevate podcast, where we share key information to help you lose weight the right way and then transition to a lifestyle that helps you keep it off. Our hosts are experts in obesity medicine and have collectively treated thousands of patients for obesity and are here to help you on your own journey. As busy parents ourselves, we totally understand what it's like to try and live healthy while also trying to stay on top of the busy demands in our life. We are excited that you decided to join us today. everyone. As some of our hosts have medical licenses, we need to share the following legal disclaimer with you. Please note that our podcast is not intended to, and must never be considered, a substitute for professional medical advice from a doctor or other qualified healthcare professional. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare professional with questions you may have regarding your medical condition. This podcast is not intended to be relied upon for medical diagnosis or treatment. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of our content.
1: Hello, everybody. This is the Why Elevate podcast. Uh, today, it's Quincy and Ron Rigby on this f- podcast. Um, unfortunately, Cheryl and Kelsey were not able to join us today. Um, good old technology. Um, we are meeting via Zoom. Um, so sorry in advance for the, the quality of the sound. Hopefully, it's going to sound good. But we today are going to talk a little bit about fats. Uh, this is a question that comes up a lot. Um, we've been taught a lot. Um, even as little kids, that fat is bad. Eating fat is bad, it's gonna cause so many health issues. But here we're gonna talk about the actual the opposite of why fats are good. Um, Ron, let's start out with that question. Like what um are fats good? Are fats bad? What are your thoughts? Yes. Okay,
2: well that <laughs> that's helps. A quick, that's <laughs> a quick simple answer is yes, fats are good and some fats are bad. So again, it's not overall a fat is basically the component of energy, so that's the reason we've been told it's bad, because it has more calories. But some of the processed fats, some more of the man-made or multi-processing type fats, are the ones we're trying to avoid. But that's the one most manufacturers or fast food is using is more of a um, the processed fats, and those are the ones we should avoid. And some of those would include, even though they sound healthier, soybean oil. Um peanut oil, canola oil, vegetable oil. There is no vegetables with oil, so I'll keep that in mind. Oh, so all these all these processed foods, it's been processed and your body doesn't know how to use it, therefore it, it can hinder some of the metabolic aspects of the body. So that's the, the negative aspect of the fats.
1: So those are um, fats healthy- to avoid. Okay.
2: Some of the healthier fats are the fats that come from the natural resources, some from meats. Um, so the fattier parts of the meat, um, eggs, uh, avocado oil, coconut oil, olive oil, all these natural fats that are easy. Yes, our body, or let me rephrase that. Yes, to get it to the form that we have in the um. The grocery store has had a little bit of processing, but not that much. Um, Other ones, we tallow, lard, baking grease, those types of things. So anything that's coming pretty close to the source from the meat or from the the fruit is a lot better, or the nut is a better option to have.
1: Okay, okay. So there can be good fats to eat, right? Yes. why is, that, why is it good to have good fats in our bodies?
2: Well, a couple different reasons. One, it's another fuel source for your body. Um, fortunately, we're always taught that we have to have sugar. And we do need a little bit of glucose. And if I say glucose, that's basically the sugar in your bloodstream. So okay. your body does need to have some. But it's so important that you have it. Your body can break protein down into the sugar. And the minimal amount of cells in your body that actually need it is pretty low. Some would argue it's only cells in certain organs, including your, your brain, your eyes, your kidneys, and your red blood cells. Okay. So we've been taught that we have to have the sugar. And there's studies out there saying, oh, I need 120 grams of sugar for my brain to function. Well, as somebody who's kind of sugar-loaded or sugar-eating all the time, if they take that away, they don't function very well. So that's where some of those studies are showing. But people who are getting away from sugar as a main fuel source, where we can start using fat as a fuel source, and that's really kind of what this extra fat we have on our body is just extra fuel source basically being locked up, and insulin locks that up so we can't have access to it. Okay. Okay. Um, we're trying to get our our body to start converting over and start using that fuel source as more as the main fuel source.
1: Okay, okay. So, um, how much fat should somebody be eating?
2: Well, that's always a tricky question because we're all different. Because I don't, I that's why I hate giving people a particular number. I don't want them to eat just hit those numbers. I want them to eat when they're hungry, but Fat is a good fuel source to try to, if you're, what you're eating is not enough, adding a little bit more fat is a great fuel source for getting your insulin level down. So there, I hate a a set number. I just don't want you to be fearful of it. Now, a couple of things to think about and going back to the, the body and the brain a little bit, your, your brain is, some of us would call the Hummer and of the road unfortunately that some of us don't know what a Hummer is That's old military yeah. type truck that had very low gas mileage and I started to use that analogy until I saw that they're trying to make a hybrid version which will have a better gas mileage so it's probably okay. a bad analogy okay. sounds good but that idea is it's a it's a high energy organ it needs a lot of energy um, and when we're adding fat being a better fuel source or a higher energy fuel source, we don't have to put as much in for your brain to get the fuel that it needs.
1: Okay. Okay. So you didn't give me an answer though. Like if I wanted to know exactly how much fat. So based on that, you said everybody's different. What, what can I do to be able to know how much fat I should be eating?
2: Couple of things. One, I want you to eat when you're hungry. So, This is all I kind of teach my patients is I want you to prioritize protein. So start with protein. I don't want you to try to go more and higher and higher in protein. A lot of times people talk about when we're going low carb or keto, that this is a high protein based diet. No, we want the moderate amount of protein, the protein your body needs. Second is don't fear the fat. So, I don't want you to be drinking shots of olive oil or heavy whipping cream or Mm, just dousing everything in. (laughs) (laughs) Yummy. I I want you to add it a little by little to kind of gradually increase the fat that you're needing just because that's the fuel source we're trying to get your body to use. And yes, you can have vegetables and stuff like that. So those are your carbohydrates. But if you're going to have the carbohydrates, maybe I'm adding a little bit more fat with that. So if I'm warming up, some uh, vegetables that have been frozen or in the refrigerator, maybe I'm adding a little bit of fat to it to kind of warm it back up as a liquid to help in the heating up process. So different things like that could definitely help. Okay. But if you eat what's on your plate and you're still hungry, when you go back, try to add a little bit more fat.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: So is that a good I think
1: that's a good -answer. answer. Yeah, that's good. That's really I hate
2: good. To give, like I said, I hate to give people a set number because everybody feels like they need to eat to that number. Gotcha. I want you to start listening to the signals of your body and again that's part of the ultimate goal with all this. That's why we have those <clears throat> those signals in our body. We have signals saying that we're hungry. Well why? is that because we're stressed, we're bored or because we're truly hungry? If we're truly hungry, I want you to eat. Okay, but I don't want you to eat the right thing and having that better fuel source is going to help us in that process.
1: Okay. Okay. That's helpful. Um, I think of those other questions that we had. Um, I think that's everything. Do you have anything else you want to add?
2: Well, a couple of different things. We've, we've been told for um, a long period of time, at least it seems like forever, that we've been told to avoid fat. And a lot of that recommendations started in the 50s uh, when the American Heart Association came out saying we should start um, lowering the fats. Well, unfortunately, the reason, if you dig into it a little bit more, the reason they started to do that is they actually had a a financial agreement with one of the um, vegetable oil companies to get it for their promotion. So they started making money. So they really started promoting these vegetable oils. And vegetable oils do sound um, healthier. It's vegetable. And we've always been taught that vegetables are a very important thing. And they have nutrients and they have benefits and they have fiber. But there are no oils in it. And these oils, like I said, were more manufactured. So when the American Heart Association started to really promote that, everybody goes, well, this is what we're supposed to do. But they never looked at how those different oils actually affected the cellular structure of the body and how those different oils that your body can't really process and use naturally started to build up and now causing different complications inside our body. Now that kind of fed into the whole idea of lower fats. And again, there's always had that mindset of low fats through history. But the American Heart Association became one of those bigger um, functions. There was the other, um, there was the prudent diet where they tried to have absolutely no fat. Um, okay. So in the late 70s when the government started to step in um, about the, the types of foods. And the reason the government really stepped in is we started having, a, we thought an epidemic in heart disease and we did, and it's actually come down overall proportionally since then. So the government was stepping in going, well, we're having this heart disease, but we've also got malnutrition and we've got people who are um, starving. And so they stepped in trying to solve some of these problems and they recommended what became about 10 years later, the food pyramid where it's mostly carbs and trying to avoid fats of going okay. along with some of those ideas that the American Heart Association said we should be avoiding it. And some of these other diets said we should avoid it. And the people who were writing up the recommendations we're kind of trying to live those type of lifestyles, so that's kind of the mindset that they thought was the right way that we should do it. It's a healthier way, and it makes sense if they're having good success. That one or two uh, people, they're going. This is what more people should do. Mm-hmm. Well, I always go back to this the argument. There's two people on this phone call. I can't even come up a recommendation. The two of us should be on. How am I supposed to make a general guideline that everybody should? incorporate and again the key aspect was it was a guideline but when the government gives us guidelines it doesn't just go oh these are good ideas we're gonna leave it alone it's more of what well, governments involved so now that's where the women's and infant care or the WIC program comes involved gets involved or anybody in the military the government saying these are the types of foods we should be eating or People who are incarcerated, well, the government kind of is kind of overseeing body of that. So now the people who are incarcerated are being fed this way. Kids in school are that type of program. It wasn't just one simple, oh, here's a simple guideline and leave it alone. It's more, well, if we're going to support it, you need to go by the guidelines we're giving you. Therefore, having lower fat, higher carbohydrates became part of it. Well, and also yeah. at that same time or about that same time period with the government got involved with kind of supplementing farmers and stuff like that to help theoretically things um, thrive a little bit more. And they started sponsoring more carbohydrate-based foods, grain, okay. soybeans, um, corn. Well, the idea is, well, they were getting, the farmers were in supp- being supplemented for it. They're making a good product. Now the manufacturers could get that stuff for the cheaper price. So all of this kind of, it wasn't just one simple idea. It was all these different ideas that gradually just kind of snowballed into kind of getting us to where we gotcha. are. Now.
1: So now we're trying to figure out, relearn, I guess, a better sense. Relearn what what is good for our individual bodies and what's helpful or not.
2: Well, and that's definitely a good way we need to look at it. So we're relearning it, but also... We've got to think of it. This was kind of, it wasn't set in stone that we had good research to show it actually worked. What it was is we go, okay, this is what we should do. We want everybody to do it. Kind of a big experiment that we were never really told about and we didn't sign up for. It, it was not like if we do a study at a university or a food company or one of these bigger studies, the people who were participating actually need to be informed what they're doing, what they're looking for, and what are some potential problems so they can agree that they want to be part of it.
1: Hmm.
2: Well, when we said we need to go this way and there wasn't good research to prove that it was the perfect way to do it, and again, there is no perfect way for everybody, so keep that in mind, but we're also learning that. But we started to incorporate all these things, not looking for or knowing what the potential problems could be. So now we're in that and now we start blaming our, our patients, as I always call it, patients, because that's who I see on a regular basis, or our clients or our friends or the people we are coming involved with. We, we worked, we now blame them for some of that health issue, but they were kind of doing what we as doctors or the government, I'm not the government, but what they were telling us to do, this is what we're supposed to eat, but we blame them for gaining weight but they're doing what we told them to do.
1: Gotcha. So not fair to the individuals as well. And I think this is something we talk about all the time is um, as a society, we blame people for being obese, but yet the tools we've given them are not good at all. Exactly. To help them to be healthy and to not be obese. Okay.
2: And again, new studies going back to the food pyramid, new studies do show that about 15% of the general population does really great with the food pyramid. So I, I need to even backtrack a little bit and say, when I tell people that to avoid the traditional food pyramid or my plate that nobody does well, well, technically, I'm I'm in a way lying because about new studies show 15% do quite well. So if you're one of those 15%, don't feel like you have to do make these big changes. But people who have metabolic issues, who have prediabetes, um, have a lot of visceral fat or fat around the organs, have high cholesterol, high blood pressure, have a family history of some of these major problems and you're trying to prevent it, then maybe stepping back from the traditional food pyramid or my plate might be steps in the right direction.
1: Okay. Thank you. This is good. Um, Any final thoughts before we end up the podcast?
2: Um, Well, one thought, if you want to read a book about some of the research and kind of delve into it quite a bit, one great book is called The Big Fat Surprise by Nina Teicholz.
0: Thanks for joining us on the Why Weight Elevate podcast. We hope this episode has been helpful for you. If you found it to be so, can you please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice like iTunes or Stitcher? It really helps others hear about this podcast and we really want to help as many people as we can. Thank you.